I think that that businesses need to, to start from a different perspective. So when an employee says, I need an accommodation, whether we are talking about an accommodation under the ADA or the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is a similar, it's not the same, a similar analysis uh, versus an accommodation for religious purposes, the employer should, should be looking at it instead of how do I deny this? Um, they should be looking at it to say, what can we do to work together? And under the law, it's called an interactive process. What can we do to work together to come up with a solution that is that, that works for both parties? Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey everybody, it's Gene Marks and welcome back to another episode of the Paychecks Thrive Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am here with Lauren Saboski. She is an employment attorney and partner at Fisher Phillips. Lauren, is this, uh, where is Fisher Phillips? Kansas, right? Uh, we, we are a nationwide, nationwide labor and employment law firm. Got it. And where are you based? I'm based in the Kansas City right. office. That's what I thought. Yeah, it was Kansas City, Stakes, the Royals, the whole thing, you know, going on there. Well, it's great to have you. And Chiefs, right? I cannot forget, right? Okay, for you, you stole Andy Reid from us here in Philadelphia, but that's another conversation we'll have uh, for another time. Uh, but we won't hold a grudge. We won't me. hold a grudge. Uh, so, Lawrence, you're an employment attorney and a partner at Fisher Phillips. Can you give me an idea of what that job entails? Uh, well, it entails a lot, but uh, I represent businesses in uh, educating them on how to comply with employment laws. Um, I also am a litigator, so I assist businesses with uh, charges of discrimination, harassment, retaliation, those types of things, uh, along with litigating uh, in, in court and arbitrating those types of matters. So uh, we, we as a firm touch and touch everything that's related to the employment relationship. So anything that is uh, related to your employees, we that's what we do. That is great. Yeah, I have a really good friend who does what you do in Philadelphia. He went out on his own and does it, and he's great. And um, it, like you know, th there are attorneys that represent people, uh, employees, and there are attorneys that represent companies. Um, you're on the side of the companies; those are your clients, and you're advising them how to uh, make sure they are in compliance with the law when that's it comes right. to their workers. Okay. Um, we have a few things to talk about, but the big thing, the big topic of the day is Groff versus DeJoy, or really religious freedom. Um, and it's an important case that we're having you on to discuss because it impacts a lot of our, our, our listeners and our viewers. So tell us about this case and let's talk about why you think it's important for my audience, but also for, uh, you know, for your clients as well. Yeah, sure. So Really, the, the Groff versus DeJoy case um, is, it, it was, I'll give you just kind of a background of, of the, the litigation. I'm not going to get into all the details of the, the, the previous briefing and what happened in the lower court, but really what was in front of, what was in front of the Supreme Court and what they took up was the issue of the religious accommodations under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. So one of the things I want to note about this particular case is that we're still waiting 
uh, to see what the outcome is going to be because the case was remanded back to the lower court, meaning that the Supreme Court sent it back to the lower court to say, we set out a new standard, which I'll explain in just a minute, but we set out a new standard under, I'm doing air quotes, an undue hardship to define more clearly what that means uh, to, to businesses when they're, when they're evaluating accommodation requests for religious accommodations. So, so we're, still, we're still waiting on that. But the, the gist of the case is that um, Groff was an employee of the United States Postal Service, and he brought a claim alleging after he resigned from his employment with the U.S. Postal Service, he brought a claim alleging that the company had discriminated against him on the basis of his religion. Uh, primarily, the discussion was about uh, whether or not the the company had a uh, an obligation to accommodate his religious requests. His specific request was related to um, having Sundays off uh, to for his own religious um, observations. So, so that's what was before the court, and really the 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 clarification came under the difference between or or the 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 court's interpretation of. Uh, de minimis, mm-hmm. uh, what would cause a de minimis uh, impact or de minimis cost to a business to provide a specific accommodation for an individual employee. And so the court uh, had the opportunity for the first time in almost 50 years uh, to take up this issue uh, and to provide clarification to what does it mean? What does undue hardship? And there I go with my air quotes again. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does undue hardship mean? And the court gave us uh, a different standard to apply. And so what we are all waiting on is to see that application of the facts of this particular case to see how the lower courts apply this new standard so that we can learn from that and figure out, okay, how is this going to impact um, other businesses? So let me, let let me, let me just interrupt you and and just pause if, if you may. So just as a recap, so we have a guy that works for the U S postal system. He wants to take Sundays off for, for, because of his religion, which Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know the post office delivers on Sundays, but okay, that's a whole other whole other thing. He wants to take it off. The post office says no, uh, we're not we're not going to let you take it off. He sues the post office. Uh, this ultimately makes its way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court says, um, well, you know, he has a point, but both parties have to. We're we're going to give a, a, a new a new I guess version of what an accommodation is. Is that, is, is, is that what the Supreme Court, and then send it back to the lower courts to figure out the details? What exactly did the Supreme Court, what was the directions that the Supreme Court gave to the lower courts? So, so Title Seven. so, so you're, par- you're partially correct. Mm-hmm. So the, the case was brought up related to his employment, his request for his time off of work, uh, Groff was disciplined because of his attendance, because he was unable to to work on Sundays as required. There's a long history of facts that went along with with what went into the case. So so just kind of fast forwarding what the court took up is that the lower courts had sided with the United States Postal Service that said that the accommodation request uh, that they had used the, the de minimis standard. Mm-hmm. So did the cost of the accommodation 
what was it above a de minimis cost and did the employer have to accommodate him uh, under that particular standard and so the the lower courts had sided with the postal service and said the request that he made based on the circumstances that they had evaluated, it was more than de minimis. Right. It was a significant uh, cost to the employer to not have this guy around on a Sunday. Okay. Well, you're using the word significant, and I want to be careful about okay. that because that's the primary the primary issue that the Supreme Court brought back uh, and told the lower court to evaluate. They emphasized that in order for a business in order for a business to deny or not approve a religious accommodation, the exact word that you just said, mm. which is that it would have to rise to the level of a significant cost to the business. Right. Uh, How do you define is, that, you know? <laughs> well, that's what we're waiting to see, right. uh, waiting to see. But this, the Supreme Court gave us some guidance um, and so they, the, the guidance that they said is that a business needs to look at and take into account all of the relevant factors at that particular case. So it's an individual assessment based upon the particular accommodation that somebody might be requesting. And so when a business takes all of that into, into account, um, they have to look at the nature of the accommodation request, the size of the business. The operating costs of the employer, um, the the nature of the business itself. Uh, so, so those are all things that that the court told us that that businesses should be putting into their analysis. It's a um, it's a tough one because it, it, you just mentioned a, you know, a number of different factors which can be judged in a number of different ways. It's not like the, the Supreme Court said, OK, if the cost is over this certain percentage, then it's deemed significant, you know, or if it's this title of an employee, then it's deemed significant. It's, you know, and it almost seems like it's just opening the door up to more you know, potential lawsuits as people are trying to define what is significant or not, you know. Well, I think I'm, I mean, that, that is a very good point. And, and I like to say that employment law, and, and this is no different, is kind of varying shades of gray. Yeah, it's an um, art, not a science. Is, <laughs> right. There is not a black and white answer that says once the cost exceeds X, then you've reached substantial. And so, you know, by way of example, uh, the United States Postal Service, and it's in the Supreme Court's um, uh, in, in, in their um, holdings, mm. That that as an employer, uh, they have six hundred thousand employees, right. and so if we're trying to say, well, let's let's analogize a six hundred thousand employee business to a fifty employee business or twenty employee business, to do. How, how do we make that analysis? And that's what I think the court has put into it, it, it has tried to create. Um, that, that there has to be an analysis based upon the factors of that particular business. A mom and pop business that has 20 employees cannot compare themselves sure. for cost related to a 600,000 employee business. And so there has to be some leeway in evaluating, uh, evaluating what, uh, what, what is significant under those circumstances? I'm curious. Did the um, did the court go any further in in defining what is a you know a religious accommodation? I mean, you know, are people like you know they're celebrating Festivus on a Wednesday and therefore that's their religion? And 
I'm just taking that day off. Did, did, was there any guidance provided on what's considered to be a religious accommodation? Uh, the, the court didn't address that. I mean, Title VII says that um, the, the, the businesses have to accommodate employees' requests because of their religion or, or some language like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing slightly. Um, but it did not go into defining more clearly as to what is considered religion. Right. Um, that It did not take that up. Uh, it took up more from the business side to say, if you as a business are going to say, I can't make this accommodation right. because it creates a hardship for my business, um, what does that hardship, what does that mean? Right. Uh, and to, to further clarify, um, you know, many, many, many years of precedent of what uh, what courts have been looking at under that de minimis so, equation. So if I'm an employer, an employee comes to me and says, I need you know, day, Wednesdays off because of my religion, um, it's really not for me, the employer, to start questioning the religion. That's just not even, shouldn't even be part of the conversation. What the what me as the employer, what, what I should be focusing on is, will this have a significant impact on my business? That would be the way that I can, I, you know, I can potentially... Um, you know, you say to the employee, no, I, I can't allow you, to, you know, for that time off. And of course, that's still to be, you know, to be determined as we're talking about this now. Is there any timeline on this, Lauren? Like, you know, do we know when, you know, this lower court is going to figure out what's significant? Uh, I, I don't have, I don't have that, okay. uh, I don't have that estimate. Okay. Fair the wheels of justice do move kind of slow, slowly, so I wouldn't expect it anytime real quick. Okay. So, um, what do you tell your clients, you know, that are, are hitting this issue? I mean, um, people do um, and people have religious observances. Like what 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 advice are you giving? Well, I, I want to kind of go back to what go back to your, your assessment of, of the, the ruling. here. Okay. I think I think that that businesses need to to start from a different perspective. So when an employee says, I need an accommodation, whether we are talking about an accommodation under the ADA or the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is a similar, it's not the same, a similar analysis uh, versus an accommodation for religious purposes, the employer should, should be looking at it instead of how do I deny this? Hmm. Um, they should be looking at it to say, what can we do to work together? And under the law, it's called an interactive process. What can we do to work together to come up with a solution that is that, that works for both parties? And so I, I think that that's the objective is to start from that perspective to say, what accommodations can we make? How do we get there uh, versus how do we deny this? Uh, and and I'm not point. saying that any businesses are doing that, but I think that that's a really good starting point to just say we should we should review these requests to say, how do we get to how do we get to an understanding? How do we get to something we can both agree on? Great advice. That's great advice. Um, anything else to add on this case before I, I move on? I want to talk about retaliation claims, but is any further final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that we probably should just talk about some of the things that impact and what employers should be doing uh, at this point in evaluating their own practices. Okay. So um, the, the first thing I would recommend is to take an inside, an inside view at what your current practices are, policies, 
um, things like that to say, to, to evaluate, to say, what are we currently doing? Do we have a form for this? Are we asking employees to put this in writing to us? Uh, have we challenged or, you know, looked at certain things without, without an evaluation of how does this impact the business? Um, and so if we if the business has made decisions or businesses have made decisions without including those additional factors, they may want to just re relook at their practices. Um, also, if you have made recent decisions about a uh, an accommodate a religious accommodation request for your employees, it might be worthwhile to have that reviewed by counsel mm-hmm. um, to just say, hey, do we need to adjust a recent uh, determination that we made? Um, and just training your managers on uh, how to address these types of requests. Uh, that's one thing that that I think a lot of businesses forget about is that your managers and supervisors are, are your front line. Yeah. They are the ones that are interacting with your employees. And they if they're not trained with how to recognize, I call them trigger words. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I like air quotes today. But um, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, I call them trigger words, which means that our HR, or, sorry, our managers and supervisors are not human resource professionals. Right. Uh, they don't want to be in HR. Otherwise, they would have gone that route with their career. Right. But we need to train them on what are those trigger words that say, this is something I as a supervisor and manager shouldn't handle by myself. And I should take this to HR or take this to somebody else um, to address. Uh, and, and this is one of those things that I think you should have conversations with your managers to say, Hey, if employees are asking about accommodations, religious accommodations to the dress code or to uh, break times or to, uh, you know, days off of work, that is something that your manager should probably not be addressing on their own. They can't just tell an employee, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, there's a lot more into the analysis uh, that, that to get to a determination than just that. And I got to imagine that happens all the time where you've got some uneducated manager saying, you want to do what? No way. Get back to work. And then before you know it, the company is being sued uh, because of that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. That's great (laughs) advice. All right. Before we started recording this conversation, I was asking you about like what's going on in your practice and what you're seeing, you know, seeing a little bit more of than than other things. You had mentioned, um, you know, a few clients are going through issues with, you know, retaliation claims from employees. Now, just, you know, in the final few minutes that we have, I I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. What, What is that? What does it mean Um, What should we be aware of when it comes to employee retaliation? Yeah, so you you can look up the statistics, the EEOC statistics about the types of claims uh, and and like the number of claims by year. And you'll see that there has been a trending upward percentage of increase in retaliation claims. So, I mean, retaliation is something... Legally, there, you know, there are elements and there's complicated things to, to rise to the level. But conceptually, from common sense, it makes sense to people. Retaliation means somebody treated someone differently to get back at them for something. And so when we have cases that are related to or, or cases that are going to a jury, uh, juries understand that. They understand getting back at someone for doing something that, that you don't like. Well, can you give me, uh, can you give me an example of what you mean by that? Um, so, so for example, you have an employee that raises an issue in the workplace, use your imagination. They're not paid correctly. They're not getting breaks that they want. Use your imagination, you know, 
discrimination, harassment, whatever you want to say. So an employee makes a, a claim or reports something that they think is going wrong or, you know, get against company policy. Thereafter, the managers, uh, their coworkers, they all start treating them differently. Hey, you can't talk to that person. Don't have lunch with that person. Um, you know, be careful what you say with, uh, around that person. Um, and, and that type of conduct, you know, can, can permeate the workplace. It can permeate uh, how that person is getting assignments, what kind of work that they're doing. And all of that goes to a, the potential for retaliation uh, that, that if we have situations in which employees are treated differently because of some protected characteristic sure. characteristic or protected activity, um, it can be the basis of those claims. And it's very difficult, uh, very difficult for businesses to defend those uh, defend those types of claims because it, it it just it conceptually and logically makes sense. And do the employees usually make these claims with the EEOC? Is that usually the the, the agency they go to? So um, generally, there is an administrative remedies that is required before an employee can file a lawsuit in court. So an employee can either go to the EEOC, which is the, the federal agency, uh, or they can go to the state equivalent. Hmm. It's usually the, the state um, commission on human rights. Uh, the, it, the name fluctuates slightly based upon the, the jurisdiction that you're in. Right. Uh, but they can go to either of those avenues. But it's it's the the prerequisite to getting into court for a harassment, discrimination, retaliation. Well, you tell me the stories. It's this is the workplace. This isn't like sixth grade in middle school, right? I mean, it's just it's crazy. And I'm assuming that you know, sometimes, I'm, there, sometimes there's not too much difference. Not too much difference. Yeah, <laughs> not too much difference. And, and you know, I was going to ask you, but I think I know the answer. I mean, you know, the way to address this is through training, right? And policies. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, my practice is, I mean, I'm a litigator. I defend businesses all day, every day. That's what I do. One of my favorite things about, the, about my, my practice and what we do here is we have the opportunity to help employers comply with the law. Right. And that comes with training and educating people on the types of, uh, the types of conduct and things that they cannot be doing in the workplace. Um, there's not, I, I feel like there's not enough training for the management level. Our HR folks are usually fairly good. Um, but from a management perspective of just training those folks on, um, you know, what to look for, uh, you know, what, what types of things can get you as a supervisor or manager in hot water. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter of learning how to behave and, and that's what's most important. Uh, just before that, you go, so, you know, if say, you know, I'm, I'm listening to this or I'm watching you with the air quotes and, and I have an interest in, you know, I'm like, okay, this could be an issue in my company. Uh, we have certain workers that could be, you know, I'm concerned about a potential your retaliation issue or whatever. I think we should be training our, you know, our managers about this. Where would you go for that kind of training? What would you recommend? Um, I, I would recommend that folks go to their HR uh, HR departments first. If you if you're a small enough business and you don't have an HR department, um, you know you should be going to your senior leadership to have those discussions. Uh, but you know th this is a, a Paychex podcast. I mean I know there are great resources um, you know through through Paychex. There are great resources externally. Sure. Um, law firms also offer these types of trainings depending on the context of the. Um, you know, context of, of what you're looking for. But 
there's lots of great resources and lots of ways uh, to to get your managers the information to to recognize the things that they shouldn't be handling themselves. It's great stuff, Lauren. It, it's fascinating stuff. And labor law, employment law, like your job is just, you know, I made such an error going, becoming a CPA. I should have been a labor attorney. It is, I, I just think it's just a, uh, um, it's a technical job, but it's, it, it's fascinating, you know, what goes on in the workplace. And given what's coming out of Washington, regardless of the administration, uh, definitely keeping you on your toes, you know, so... Um, thank you. We always have the best stories in the labor and employment group. I am sure that you do. Hey, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, it was a great conversation. We'd love to have you back. So thank you. Uh, Lauren Saboski is an employment attorney and partner at Fisher Phillips with offices around the country. Lauren is based in the Kansas City area. You have been watching and listening to the Paychecks Thrive podcast. If you have any need any advice or help or tips in running your business or would like to suggest a guest, visit us at payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics. My name is G Marks. Thanks for watching the Paychecks Thrive podcast this week. We'll be back with you next week with another great episode. We will see you then. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychecks can help. Visit the resource hub at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychecks can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023. All rights reserved.